That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm Mick Garris, and this is Postmortem. I love horror anthologies. I've read tons of books of genre short stories, and my childhood was graced by The Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, One Step Beyond, and many others. I began my filmmaking career as a writer and then director on Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories and followed that with work on Freddy's Nightmares and Tales from the Crypt. But one of the best experiences of my professional life so far was creating and running the Masters of Horror series. One of the most incredible things about Masters was that we were able to allow the greatest filmmakers in the horror genre to put their darkest fears on the home screen with virtually no creative interference. One of the best parts of my role as executive producer was acting as an on-set cheerleader for the directors, helping them to create something that was entirely their own. We encouraged them all to put their own personal stamp on their films. We didn't want the shows to be alike. We wanted John Carpenter's episodes to look and act like John Carpenter movies, Toby Hooper's to look and act like Toby Hooper movies. Otherwise, what was the point? We got amazing people to make amazing movies because they were actually able to do what they wanted. After Masters was done, I wanted to do something similar to follow it up, but to make it much more international in scope. On Masters, we were able to bring Dario Argento from Italy to do the show, and we actually shot one episode from each of the two seasons in Japan. I wanted to do a series where each film was shot in a different country by a director from that country. Unfortunately, that was not to be. I tried to create a series of internationally produced feature films under the same umbrella that would come out theatrically, then have various home video and premium cable and digital outlets, but I was told this was way too adventurous. I never gave up. My extensive travels to various film festivals around the world exposed me to the excitement of films from different cultures, great works of horrifying cinema that were not aimed at teenagers, and I knew that there was something special we could do about this. So now... We're in the home stretch on post-production of our new film, Nightmare Cinema. Although it was all shot in L.A., it is comprised of five stories from five directors, two from the U.S., one from the U.K., one from Cuba, and one from Japan. The film is a mix of stylistically different horror stories that all go straight for the jugular. The Japanese director, Ryuhei Kitamura, directed a script by a Mexican writer, Sandra Becerril, and shows just how unique and crazy his filmmaking approach can be, and how saturated with blood and body parts, too. We'll talk with Ryohei-san in just a minute. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts, literally, to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. So, you were born in Osaka, right? Yes. And what was your introduction to movies? What what got you excited about movies uh, in the first place? I mean, my both my dad and mom loved the movie, so uh, they yeah often took me out first uh, normal movie. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, first 
really, you know, the movie I loved was a movie called A Little Romance, Di- Diane Lane. Yeah, yeah. And movie like uh, Gallipoli. So, Peter uh, Weir. Yeah. Peter Weir, the mm-hmm. masterpiece. So uh, Breaking Away. Dennis Christopher. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's still my favorite movie. I've seen that movie for like, I don't know, 120 times or something. Really? Like your very favorite out of everything? Yes, yes. Wow. Breaking Away, Little Romance. Then like, then, you know, I started watching all kinds of movies, you know, like action movie, like Rolling Thunder. You know. Oh, yeah. And when I was, I think it was like 11 year old, I, for one year, I lived in Sydney, Australia. Uh-huh. And one night, uh, my uncle, I have a Mexican uncle. Really? Yes. Wow. My uncle and my cousin took me to drive-in theater. And it was a double feature of Friday the 13th and Boogeyman. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a cool, cool double feature, right? <laughs> Welcome to horror. <laughs> and then I remember it was uh, R-rated, obviously, and I was like 11, so uh, I was hiding in the back seat. Then we go in to the driving theater. Then I came out. And this was in Australia? This, this was yeah. in Sydney, yeah. driving theater. I think that was, that was my very first you know, uh, horror movie experience back in 1980. Yeah. yeah, tell me how it affected you. No, you know, I, I loved it, you know. So since then, I, I became like, you know, hot. I mean, I, I watch all kinds of movies, but, uh, you know, 1980 to like four, that was like golden age of like, you know, special makeup effects, you yeah. know. So, uh, yeah, so when the Friday the 13th Part 2 came out, I mean, of course, day one, I, I went to the theater and even I, I watched like 20, 30 times in movie theater wow. in Japan. Right? So did you find that the audiences were similar in Japan or did they embrace it more or less or uh? No, I mean yeah, it was it was it was big, you know. Yeah. The splatter movie that 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 you know, that fever was going on all over the world, I guess. But uh, so like you know, for a long time Japan was the only country released the original uncut version of My Bloody Valentine, right? Ah, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Japan was very kind to that kind of movie. You know, the prowler, scanners, you know, all that kind of, you know. So the early 80s were really, that was a time when the, the slasher genre pretty much ruled in the horror cinema, other than David Cronenberg and, and, yes. and maybe, you know, American Werewolf and things like yes. that. But uh, so was it the slasher stuff that really excited you the most, or was it the stuff that had the most makeup effect? I mean, I, 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 I really loved uh, special makeup. You know, yeah. Thomas Sabini, Carl Fullerton, you know, yeah. I mean, Robotin, and all, all those you know, amazing artists. You know, I, I was deep into it. So I'm still, you know, after, after what, 35, 40, almost 40 years, I'm still waiting that you know, one day they're going to release this uncut version of Friday the 13th Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that machete you know, in the face of oh, the, yeah. that guy on the wheelchair, yes, you know, yes. which we, don't, we never see. You know. You're right. <laughs> right? Damn it. But in, you Get know, Sean Cunningham back yes. here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and it wasn't that easy, you know, like 35 years ago in Japan to buy Fangoria magazine. Right. But somehow I found a way and I was buying it, you know. And only in the Fangoria magazine you see the crystal clear picture of that yeah. in machete <laughs> yeah. in the face. Yeah, then when I went to see the you know movie, like really, I don't I don't see it. So, <laughs> Where'd it go? <laughs> so I, I I was really deep into that. Then you know I started watching all kinds of movies and, but I think um, 
first Ibu dad and Ibu dad too. That's uh-huh. very inspired me to make me think like, and I want to be the filmmaker because uh-huh. Sam Raimi did that movie like when he was like 23, right? Yeah, exactly. Just very, a group yeah. of kids somewhere and not that older than me, you know, was doing that great movie. So I was like, wow, oh, maybe, maybe I can, I can do that too. So that was the, maybe the beginning of thinking like, you know, I want to be the filmmaker. Right. So you wanted to be a director. You didn't think about, I want to make makeup effects. I didn't, uh, was that something? Did you want to be a Tom Savini or Rick Baker or something? Or <laughs> no, you wanted to be Sam Raimi? Yeah, no, I, because I, uh, yes, I, I love horror movies, but, uh, you know, I also love movies like Chariots of Fire, mm. you know, and, and that's when, like, 84, that's when the James Cameron, you know, came out with uh, Terminator. Right. I love that kind of movie. And I love The Exterminator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was back in 1981. <laughs> Robert Ginty, yeah. <laughs> Robert yeah. Ginty, James yeah. Grickenhouse. Yeah. So I was just w- watching all Lenny kinds Shapiro. of movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's generally, I, I love the movie, and uh, I just decided to become a filmmaker. Yeah. Well, violence in movies was very much a part of Japanese cinema, much more so than American cinema at an earlier time. And it was not thought of as movies for kids either. Very adult films would be filled with very explicit violence. And yet, sexuality was not. Mm. Um, Do you think that made a difference in what movies appealed to you or what the kind of movies you wanted to make? Was there a cultural motivation, you think? Probably, yeah, Japan is somehow... Still now, it's it's very you know those censorship is very soft on violence. <laughs> yes, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it's really hard lucky on you, it. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so maybe the cultural thing about um, there is this uh, legendary cult movie called um, Village of Doom. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a Japanese movie. Yeah, nineteen eighty three. It's based on a true story about this guy. You know, killed thirty two people. In like one hour, you know. Wow. He had the flashlight on, you know, strapped to his head, and then he had the Japanese sword, and he had the shotgun, and he just ran around the village and killed everybody. And it's a, it's the one of the worst crime ever, you know, happened in Japan. But uh, so Shochiku, which is a big studio, one of right. the three major studio, they made the movie. So I was like, really? They want to make that movie? And that movie, you know, not many international, you know, fans don't know about this movie, but right. this village of doom is full of violence and last final 20 minutes, no soundtrack. It's just like oh a documentary. It's just this guy killing everybody. Oh my God. And head, head, you know, close range shotgun, heads blowing up and it's just crazy. This movie had both had like ultra violence and also like tons of sex. Really? So of course it was like a rated X in Japan. <laughs> so uh, even though it was a big studio movie, I couldn't go in. <laughs> yeah. So after like I don't know almost a year, I I asked my dad to you know buy me the Betamax. Oh, I remember Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it again and again and again. So you know, here and there they have this you know movie contains both you know right. blood and violence and sex. <laughs> so that was an influential movie to you. <laughs> that was kind of influential. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yes. So, but Shochichu Shochiku did a series of very highly regarded horror films, but are really weird mm. films, right? It was that. Which, which one was it? Well, I, I know I have a box, mm. of a Blu-ray box of, mm. of like four movies that they did that were, I don't remember the title, that was probably one of them, mm. that were very alternative universe kind of 
horror movies, but through a, a different kind of spectrum. So, anyway. <laughs> wow, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to dig it up. <laughs> um, so, your was your first interest in making films, was it always, your films are known for their violence and, mm. and how they're choreographed mm. with that violence. Was that something that you wanted to do from the beginning or was that something your your taste kind of turned towards? I, I, uh, I, I like, you know, visually interesting movie. Mm-hmm. And when I get a little bit older, yes, I started to <laughs> interested in making, you know, more calm, you know, yeah. nothing, not not so too dramatic you, movie. But you're not I, ready to make your breaking away. Yet, yes, right? not yet. <laughs> <laughs> when you get a little older. <laughs> but uh, I, I love action. I love sci-fi. I love horror. So I, uh, you know, I, I like that kind of, you know, visually stunning. You know, something to let the audience, you know, experience something they can't experience in real life. Right. I mean, that, that that's 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 the kind of kid I was. You know, because. You don't want to meet Joe Spinell from Man <laughs> in, in real life, right? No, but definitely. only in the movie theater, it's fun. Right? Right. So um, I was always wanted to do something like action. So my, my very first movie was, it's, uh, this is a tiny movie called Heat After Dark. And um, that's like uh, more film noir, hard boiled. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Kind of action, not too much, but the uh, Now, was drama. this financed or was this all done with your own resources no this was kind of like an indie movie i yeah. did you know but uh i always the original script i wrote for that movie was more like you know it was kind of like uh blood simple that kind of story mm. with tons right. of violence and action right but uh that was back in 1996 you know? ah you were a kid <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> in japan you know somehow they stopped making that kind of movie anymore mm. you know all those great, you know, violent, you know, movie, even like action movie, like Kurosawa movie or like in Long Wolf and the Cub, Zatoichi. Right, you know, right. The Zatoichi all, films are amazing. Yes. All the fun movie were, you know, from back in the 60s and 50s, right? So uh, right. somehow 90, after 90s Japan, you know, except, you know, Miike Takashi-san. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except the Miike-san, they stopped making that kind of movie. Somehow. Interesting. What what um, what do you think was behind it, and and what were the popular movies of the time then during the nineties? More like everything was, you know, I don't know. They all the, I mean, it's kind of same all over the world, but especially it was very bad in Japan that they only want to do the you know very conservative you know safety thing, right? Dramas, the, romantic, yes, comedies, romantic comedies, like you know, based on the you know famous manga. That's it. So. Right. Uh, and nobody let me do that kind of movie, action movie. So uh, when I was doing my very first movie, and I gave up kind of, you know, because I, ha- I had a limited time and money and, you know, there's no point of fighting every day with my crew and cast. So uh, I <laughs> shift my direction and I'm very proud of my first movie, but uh, it wasn't really the action movie. Right. And, you know, they, they just kept on telling me, you know, we are not Hollywood, we don't have big money, we are not Hong Kong, we don't have an action star, so this is Japan, we don't do action movie anymore. So, like, we were supposed to be the leading in that kind of, you yeah, know, well, <laughs> movie. famously, yes. But All somehow, right. somehow nobody let me do it, so... I made up my mind and I decided like, all right, so, okay, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything on my own. I'm going to be the, you know, writer, director, producer, and I just do everything in my way. And if it doesn't work out, maybe I'm not supposed to be the director. And 
that was this tiny movie called Versus I did. Right. Now, Versus is an amazingly choreographed, amazingly bloody, basically sword battle for an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. I mean, close to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's out in the woods, so you didn't have uh, any, you didn't have to build sets. You didn't have to use locations other than this actual location, but you had restricted hours because it was daylight hours you were shooting in yes. all this. So this movie really brought you to international attention. It was at festivals all around the world. Tell me about that experience of making that movie and actually having an audience discover it. So, uh, you know, I was, I was like 28 years old, you know. I was nobody, no money, no future. <laughs> everybody, everybody in Japanese, Japanese film industry ignored me. So uh, I knew, like you know, this is like my last and only chance to prove right. myself. So uh, I just, I was so determined that I'm not going to give up. Right. So uh, I started. I just, I don't know how I did it. I wish I can do it now, but uh, I just called everybody, went to everybody, and we started the project with like only like fifty thousand dollars. Right. And the script I wrote was like every I, I've been to. Of course, first I've been to like films, you know, studio and the producers and everybody laughed at me. This is like animation video game script. You're not going to do that. <laughs> live action. So, you know, I knew it's going to 50,000 is not enough. Yeah. I can't imagine what that script must have looked like. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. I mean, every, everything yeah, you see in the movie, it's, it's, it was there. So, but I knew that, you know, if you, if I waited until I have the fully financed or find the producer, the studio, you know, back up, you know, maybe I don't even have a chance to even start it. Right. So only, only thing I have is like 50,000, but I have my crew and cast. I mean, crew and cast, they're all amateur. They're not really professional crew and cast. Everybody was just all in it together to make a, you know, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney movie and put on a show. So... I have my manpower and I have 50,000 to start with. So one thing I know is if I start it, somehow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it. So, you know, I told everybody, you know, we, the money will run out in 10 days, but uh, we'll go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we started shooting at the off-season ski resort. Oh, wow. Because it was off-season. Sure. I, I, I talked to the manager and said, just let us stay for like two weeks. Oh, so you lived there as well. We, we lived there. And where was this in Japan? This was like three hours from Tokyo. Oh, so you had to stay there so you didn't have travel issues. Yes, yes. And, you know, like, like you said, you know, we didn't have, you know, lighting equipment. So when the sun goes down, we finish. Then we, <laughs> we, after all the fighting and running around inside the mountain, we come back to this, you know, ski resort hotel. Right. Of course, you know, the food was not included. (laughs) So actors and crew, we have to (laughs) start cooking. (laughs) Ah, that must have been delicious. (laughs) Yes. Then uh, after cooking, we eat. Then we start doing the rehearsal for the day, you know, the next day. And then, of course, after one week, the money ran out. And and every single day I was staring at, you know, uh, me and my producing partner was staring at our cell phone. Like, (laughs) who who are we going to call? And he's like, hey. We don't. We don't have. We need, you know, fifty lunchbox for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his immediate concern. God, <laughs> what, what are we gonna do? So, I, I um, magically I find somebody every day. Wow. You know, 
hey, do me a favor. <laughs> I need the money. I need the money for lunch tomorrow and the dinner tomorrow. And wow. I need you to deliver <laughs> to, like I said, three hours from Tokyo. So that was your biggest expense was feeding the cast and crew? That was, of course. Oh, my God. Then, you know, I, we started because the only thing I can have was like more manpower, you know, because we have, we have the limited time. So I started calling all my friends and they came to, you know, help us. So the final few days of the shooting, I still remember, you know, it was a, like a third floor, you know, resort. And I see every step of the stairs, somebody was sleeping. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so how many people were there in the cast in the, crew? In the end, yeah. it was like more like 100 people. Oh, my God. It was crazy. That's a big group of people. And then finally, this uh, manager, you know, fed up with us and kick, <laughs> kicked us out. Oh. <laughs> so we had nowhere to go. So we went south to my hometown. <laughs> To Osaka. Yes, to Osaka, and we started shooting in Osaka. Uh, so it took us like uh, six months to finish, actually. Wow. Every time we, the money runs out, we, we finish. But somehow I didn't give up, and, you know, and everybody told me, like, I mean, you already, you know, <laughs> asking a lot of people, a lot of money, and yeah. this is like, you know, no sponsor, no distribution, no producer, nothing. Just begging. Yes. So, I mean, wh- why don't you stop? But, like, I just knew that. No, no, I, I have to do until I satisfy. You were so deep into it. How could you stop? Yeah, I yeah. couldn't. So I did it. So after one year, I, and it was funny that, uh, so that was before. These days, you know, movie making is, you know, getting cheaper and cheaper. It's you a little can more homemade, movie. yeah. Yeah, even with iPhone and iMovie, right? Yeah. But that was like 1999, so still we were shooting on the Super 16. Oh, oh. Right? And we were shooting like a crazy, and to create that kind of all the action and the you know, choreograph and rhythm, we were shooting lots of high speed, which means we need a lot more film. Right. That costs a lot of money. So what were you shooting, like 100 frames or yes. something, 120 frames? Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, that is, normally you shoot 24 frames a second, so you're shooting five times as much film through that camera, which is five times as expensive. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I was, I, I had no money and we finished, but because we were just amateur, so um, not, not really AD, no, no line producer, no production manager, right. no sound, right? no lighting. Oh, no, so it was all done Italian style. All, yeah, and no, uh, not even slate, right? Right. So, well, you didn't need it because you had no sound, so you didn't need to sync it. But okay. I shot like insane. I shot like, you know, 4,800 setups. Oh, my God. With silent Super 16. So wow. <laughs> we started checking it, and I don't even understand. What is this? <laughs> You know, one second shot. I mean, anybody remember what? What is this shot? And I don't. And I ask actor and like, what? What did you say? Well, boss, you were always changing the line. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what I said. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody had an idea. There was even, no script supervisor even, to write it even down. Even record right? something. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so oh, I knew that only way to edit that, you know, mountain of film is using Avid. Right. But back in 1999, you know. In Japan, only three editors had Avid. Really? The we Avid, were so yeah. behind. The first time I used it was in 1993. Yeah, and, in uh, Japan. In Japan, no. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it changed everything, though. So, of course, you know, a uh, three editor who has the Avid is, of course, obviously the big editor. <clears throat> the expensive guys. Yeah. So we went, just went door knocking, no appointment. And, you know, we started to carry in this mountain of Super 16 footage. And this big editor came out, like, 
hey, man, who are you? What, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you bringing into my office? And this, <laughs> this, 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 this is the future of not only me. This is the future of Japanese cinema. <laughs> <laughs> not to and be too arrogant about 4, it or anything. 4,800 <laughs> setups, silent. We don't have editing seat. It's no sound, nothing. So the only way to edit this is you with your system. And uh, I have no money. <laughs> and he laughed and said, hey, God. hey, kid. I mean, I've been in this industry for almost 40 years, you know. Only in this crazy film business, sometimes people say that, you know. Yeah. I pay you back when I become famous. Yeah. I never seen anybody did that. So I looked right into his eyes and said, I will be the first. <laughs> and somehow he believed it. Wow. So he opened up his habit system and, you know, took us like in months and months. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he did it for me. <laughs> wow. The editing of that movie must have been a phenomenal chore and challenge. It was, it was crazy. And, of course, I'm, I'm a crazy filmmaker. So I, I, I was okay with, you know, two, hour, two hours and 15 minutes, I'm okay. But uh, yeah. he was the one like, no, 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 Ryuhei, you don't understand. You have to make this two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I want ma- I, I to make this one, one and a half hour, but I understand. There's uh, so many you know, cool stuff. So two hours and... Yeah, he taught me a lot, and uh, yeah, he he did it. So, uh, and I knew by the time you know, I knew that you know, Japanese industry gonna ignore me. So uh, I uh, sent it to this French film festival, Jeramere. Oh yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. film festival. Mm-hmm. Used to call Avoriats. Right, Avoriats, which was another ski yes. resort. Yeah. And Avoriats discovered you know Spielberg and you know Mad Max. So yep. I, I, they will get this. Yeah. So uh, I sent it, and that was the world premiere of the movie. And I still remember, you know, it was like a midnight screening, and that night was like snowstorm. So, you know, me and oh, my God. team were like, nobody going to show up. I mean, it's a snowstorm going on. Well, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, so we went there. It was a huge line, and, you know, Bill Pullman was there. Oh, you know, wow. Juliet Lewis was there, wow. you know. So uh, everybody came and uh, it, it was a blast. You know, that was uh, that, that's the day I realized that I finally, you know, broke through. <laughs> You're going to have a career. Yes. Yeah. yes. So that that made up everybody's mind. So did did that lead to other film festivals around the world? Yes. So then it went to uh, Toronto TIFF for the North American premiere, which went great and went just all over the world. You know. So uh, I spent next six months traveling all over the world, which was very fun. Mm-hmm. And that was the... Then this producer in Japan watched the movie, and he hired me to do this big step-up movie called Azumi. Right. Which Azumi. is a samurai, yeah. you know, female mm-hmm. assassin movie. How did they think of you for that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, after that, you know, I mean, my career was quite easy. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, the big change, though, was that suddenly there were American producers interested. And along came Midnight Meat Train, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is based on a Clive Barker story, uh, a great Clive Barker story. Tell me how that came about, and then we'll talk later about the issues with marketing and what happened Mm -hmm. with Lionsgate and everything. No, that was a, yeah, that that, that was a very, you know, fun experience, Um, so because of Azumi and I did the Godzilla Final Wars. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Yeah, so so uh, I was suddenly the you know star director in Japan. I I I was able to do whatever I wanted to do. But uh, my goal was always to move to Hollywood 
because mm-hmm. Hollywood movie, you know, I, I love Hollywood movie. That that's what's that's my flesh and blood, you know. Yeah. So I always wanted to come. So um, after the Godzilla, I made, I was I made up my mind that you know this is time to move on, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go to LA and you know start you know my next you know battle, Hopefully, the next yeah. chapter. Yes. So uh, then you know it was it was so funny. So. Uh, I was up for this, you know. I don't. I don't want to say it, but big franchise, big franchise exists. A big, I think big... <laughs> maybe we'll bring it up unless you'd rather not. <laughs> no, no, no. But no? the big, big franchise, and you know, my agent, you know, wanted to me to this, me to do this, and I read the script, and I didn't like the script. So, um, you was know. this about cars by any chance? <laughs> hey, <laughs> okay. Well, that's as far as. We'll... <laughs> yeah. So you know, but uh, I. I, I didn't like the script and I had my own thoughts and, you know, th- this is happens all the time, you know. There's always, 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 you know, a bunch of producers and most of the time there's two strong producers, right? One is a studio and one is a big production company and they were pushing two directors. You know, one side was pushing me and the other side was pushing other director and I was the one, you know, who wanted to change the script, because I just knew that, you know, this script needs some work. And, but, you know, that, that was a lesson. But uh, most of the time, producers or, you know, executives, they, they don't need director to come up with, you know, too many original ideas. Right. At that point in, in a franchise where it's, there have been a handful of movies already, mm-hmm. they want to hire a technician, yes. a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm who won't necessarily change the course of their development process, which mm-hmm. may have been months or years. In yes. Yeah. So uh, I thought I came up with very reasonable, you know, <laughs> ideas, not, yeah. not changing the course for a year. But, of course, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? Right. So I was okay with it. But, uh, you know, my uh, agent at that time, they weren't very happy. I mean, mm-hmm. this is guaranteed success. You know, you're going to get a lot of money. You know, that means they're going to get a lot of money, 10%, right, right too. So uh, they started complaining. So, like, I mean, I was like, really? I mean, is this the best shot you can get me? And you know what? You know, I don't, I don't think I want to be here. So, you know, I fired my agent. Mm. And I did that when I had zero friend. I had only one friend in this town. <laughs> so oh. only, only one friend, you know, she said, like, do you hate, I mean, are you out of your mind? <laughs> who's going to set up the meeting? Who's, who's going <laughs> to send you the script if you fire? You don't know anybody in this town. But I was like, I know, but come on. I just had to, you know, <laughs> clean up first right. before I search for the next. But honestly, you know, deep in my heart, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know anybody in this town. <laughs> but that was exactly the timing that uh, Azumi got premiered in L.A. Ah. So I was at the San Diego Comic Con. And at the party, I met Samuel Jackson. Oh. Right. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Sam. Sam but Yeah, uh, who isn't? I, I was surprised, but he was a huge fan of me. Wow. So he grabbed me and said, like, you know, hey, you know. How did you do that crazy 360 shot about Zumi? And he was a hardcore fan of me. Wow. So I was very touched and I was honored. And, you know, so we started, you know, talking. And after a couple hours, and he said, like, hey, kid, you know, I was still a kid, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, 12 years ago. So he said, hey, kid, you have to make a movie in this town. You know, who's your manager? Who's your agent? And I said, you know what? I fired everybody, so I don't have anybody. <laughs> so he uh, introduced me to his manager, who was my first manager in this town, you know, and that was Anonymous Content. 
So I signed with them, you know, right after I fired, you know, all my agent. Within a w- one week, I found my new manager. And, but I was, I was still living in Japan. And two months later, I came back to L.A., not for the meeting, for the concert. You know. Uh-huh. You know, Mick, you know, you know how hardcore music fan I yes, am, Yes, right? I know. So that was back in 2006. You're one of the few prog rockers I know. <laughs> yes. And this great 80s band called Asia. Oh, yes. Heat of the moment. Prog rock. Don't, don't yeah. cry. Yeah. After 23 years, they were doing the original four-member reunion tour. Oh, wow. So, so me, that's what brought you back yeah, to so LA. Yeah, me, so me and my, my, my friend in Japan, like, we have to follow them. <laughs> All West Coast concert. You were like a 16-year-old groupie, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah? <laughs> so that's what I did. And, you know, Sunday night was LA, Asia, live. Mm. Right? So I called my manager, new manager, and said, you know, hey, I'm in town for Asia. And she was like, What? You know, Asia, heat of the moment. Yeah, <laughs> this come is on. The, this is the heat of the moment. So, you know, I'm in L.A. and I'm done following <laughs> Asia. So I give you Monday to Friday. You know, Saturday, I'm going to go to Magic Mountain. <laughs> Sunday, I'm going to go back to Japan. So Monday to Friday, set up the whatever the meeting. And Monday morning, meeting was uh, with, at the Lakeshore with this producer, this Gary. Lakeshore Luke- Entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Producer, you know, Gary Lukeji. And we started talking about lots of different things. And at the end of the conversation, Gary said, I really like you. You know, we should do something. And I think this is perfect for you. And that was Midnight Me Train. Right. Had you read Clive Barker before? Of course. You know. I so, figured you might have. <laughs> so when Gary, you know, uh, brought it up, first thing I said was like, no, don't touch it. You know, you're talking about the Clive Barker, Books, Books of Blood, Midnight Me Train, right? No, no, no. I don't believe that, you know. <laughs> You know, you, you Hollywood, stop messing with great book. <laughs> stop doing the stupid remake. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he laughed and he said, no, no, I, I, we, we developed this script with uh, Clive's people too. So yeah. I think you're going to like it. So take, it, take the script to hotel and come back Wednesday anyway. If you don't like it, we'll find something else. So I didn't like it, but uh, I got it. And I, I, I took it to my hotel and I was surprised, but it was, it was pretty solid. So Wednesday I went back and I said, you know, wow, I, th- I think, yeah, this script still needs work, but uh, I, think, I think this is great, you know. And then he said, all right, come back Friday. Again, okay. <coughs> so I went back Friday and it was a meeting with this big boss, Tom Rosenberg. He's an Oscar winner, you know, Million Dollar Baby. So like, mm-hmm. I know, he's a big boss and he's a, he's a scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidating, yeah. <laughs> so the... I said, hi, nice to meet you. And he didn't even smile. And he, he was just, you know, <laughs> sitting in front of me with a scary face. And, <laughs> and then Gary was sitting next to me. And he said, like, uh, so what do you think of the script? And <laughs> that was like the shortest pitch or meeting I ever done. Really? Yeah. I just said, like, you know, well, when it comes to visual or action or the, you know, the scary fun part, you know, you don't have to worry. You know, there's a reason I'm here. You know, I'm very good doing yeah. that. But I'm not really interested in doing that, you know, if there's no character, no emotion, no world. So um, so what I love about the script is that, you know, that was, uh, you know, writer Jeff's take on it. You know, photographer, 28-year-old photographer, you know, nobody, no money, no future. This is basically 10-year-ago me. Right. I was so hungry 10-year-ago right, because... Only person who believes in me in this story is his best friend and his girlfriend. That's it. 
Yeah. That's exactly 10 years ago me. If 10 years ago me, I met someone like you, big producer, and you tell me, hey, kid, if you kill that guy, bury his dead body in some desert, I'll let you make the movie. I would have done it. <laughs> I would have done it. That's how hungry you are, right? Yeah. So I understand about this Leon character. You know, and if I understand the character, I can make this movie. That's all I need to say. Thank you. Goodbye. And I walk out. <laughs> then I was walking the parking lot. You know, my manager called me. Uh, I think you got the job. <laughs> You'd make a U-turn, go back. And You're not going home someday. <laughs> I never met any client who came in to see Asia. And within three meetings, you get the job. So like, <laughs> That's <laughs> that, awesome. that was fun. So, yeah. yeah. So you assembled this great cast. You had, you know, Vinnie Jones and, and, and Bradley Cooper, Cooper and Leslie Bibb. Yeah, I mean, incredible. Uh, Clive Barker story. The movie's terrific. That's how we met, was at a screening. We were yes. both with CAA. Yes, 10, 10, 10 years ago. Yes. yes. We were at a screening. It was a screening at CAA that they had held to show people in town what you could do. And it was, first of all, I've worked with Clive a lot myself and love his work and love this trans, transformation from book to, to film. But Lionsgate, somehow... They couldn't get behind it. I don't know why. I don't know. But even before they tried to sell it, they gave up. So what happened? It's kind of a famous <laughs> case that they just they had this movie they were excited about and everybody liked it. But they decided to dump it in a half dozen dollar theaters or something before it went out to video. What and recut it as well, mm. right? So tell me about that. They, no, they, they didn't recut it. I mean, I don't, I don't. You know, it's a, it's ten years ago. It was very heartbreaking because it was my uh, obviously first American movie, right? And I was very proud of the movie. And the last thing I heard was, you know, they got so excited, then they even set the release date. I still remember two thousand eight, May sixteenth, right. That's the very good day, you know, hot summer day. Yeah, same, yeah. same day was like Speed Racer, Indiana Jones 4. Mm -hmm. That's how they were confident with the movie. And they released uh, the trailer. I heard that uh, it was like the highest, you know, rating of the trailer. And I still remember, you know, when I went to Acolyte Cinema, that Cinerama Dome to yes. see Rambo 4. Yeah. And the trailer was there. So I was like, wow, I finally came away. You made away. it, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, it's all, then all, all, all this, you know, craziness happens. I know exactly what happened, but uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I want to <laughs> speak about it uh, okay. that much. I know exactly, you know, it's just an ego thing, you know. Right. Yeah. So the, the people who needed to be behind it decided that wasn't their cup of tea. Yes, I mean, it's just it's simple as you know, the Alliance get people. When I was making the movie, and when the time they were about to release was different, right? They changed yes, the and regime. They, they had their whatever the you know. They went from Peter Block to somebody else. Yes, who Peter was an amazing supporter of the genre, mm -hmm. and he brought in a lot of pickups and produced a lot of movies for them, including Saw, yeah. that were big successes. And I know he was a big champion of this movie. He was, and I still remember that, you know, one day when I was, like, yeah, in the, doing the post, he came and said, like, uh, Liu He, I went to my office, and there was no my office. So, like, what? Just like that? You so were the they didn't even tell him. 
you are the champion of that company, and wow, that's how they do. Wow. <laughs> so you know, of course,、uh, obviously they they don't want Peter to take any any credit over that movie, and、mm-hmm. that movie was making big buzz. Right. So um, yeah. And there, there is another big reason, but、uh, I don't, I don't really want to. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm not going to force any issues here. Yeah, yeah. but、uh, well, it, it's heartbreaking because it's a really terrific movie, an amazing cast、mm-hmm. who was just really kind of exploding in their careers at the time too. Yes, you know? and、uh, and it ended up just well. That's why CAA. Gave it that screening so that people in town could、mm-hmm. see the movie that they weren't going to get to see theatrically.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, I,、uh, I mean, yes, ten years—that was exactly ten years ago. Yeah, ten you know, years ago. I mean, I was seriously—you know—that was the biggest terrorist attack to my life. You know,、oh, nobody ever、yeah. done that kind of damage to me. Because、oh, it was、sure. my first American movie, right? Well, you and your career was exploding. I know.、Yeah. So,、uh, but of course, not 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 many people knows why you know that movie didn't come out, right? So、mm-hmm. uh, then, of course, they look at the IMDb and they think like, well, this movie didn't make any money. So,、uh, right. I, that that between two thousand eight to like two thousand twelve, thirteen, that was like worst time of my career. You know, well, it had to be very dispiriting, not just creatively but emotionally. Emotionally, and of course, the financially. You know, I was like,、right. uh, I gave up all my success. You know, and life would have been much easier if I go back. But、uh, you know, I, as you know, you know, I'm I have this samurai spirit inside me, so、yeah. I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> no. But、uh, looking back now, you know, I mean, everything is me. I you know, I'm. Even though I may always making this, you know, <laughs> dark movies, but、yeah. I, I always try to look at the bright side, right? But、uh, even that movie didn't come out. That movie opened, still opened up my lots of relationship, like with you. Absolutely,、right? I still remember the moment, you know. Uh, after the screening, I turned around and I saw you, and I was a big fan of you. So, like, oh, oh my god. god, that's Mick Garris! <laughs> and you, you, uh, uh, you were extremely、that. polite. You did this Japanese style bow to me. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, come on, <laughs> you are、uh, the master of horror. And,、uh, <laughs> no, 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 that was no, no, the、no. that was the beginning of our relationship. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, and, like, yeah, everything, you know, everything. That movie still, you know, and still. You know, I feel like you know, years as years pass by, you know, people start to recognize that movie more and more. You know, it's becomes like a classic now. And you've made it. You、yes. made that movie, and it、mm-hmm. exists. And anybody who wants to see it can see it anytime. Yes. So、uh, and it's still, great. Yeah. So,、uh, but that that that, that was、uh, even though that was the bottom of my career, but.、Uh, I still remember, you know, first time, you know, Clive watched the movie. He was crying, and you know, he he、yeah. gave me the big hug, and you know. Um, that that was enough for me, you know. Yeah, well, that's a a, a big deal.、Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to happier moments then.、Mm-hmm. Um, but your childhood、uh, must have been filled with Godzilla. Yes. And here you get the chance to do Godzilla: Final Wars.、Mm-hmm. So, how did that come about? And were you excited about the opportunity to make a Godzilla movie? Of course, I mean, <laughs> who's not who's not you know excited to you know have a chance to make a Godzilla movie, especially if you're Japanese. <laughs> yes, especially <laughs> if I'm Japanese, and especially that was the 50th anniversary Godzilla, and yeah, yeah. you know until they they made the new you know Shin Godzilla movie you know、uh, years ago,、uh, they said that that's going to be the final chapter of this you know big 50 years era. That's a pretty big deal. So 50th anniversary final Godzilla, and you know. Yeah, I mean that came to me because of the success of Azumi. 
you know, which was also the Toho movie I did the year before. Right. So you worked with both the big, two of the three big studios, or did you also work with Katakawa? Kalukawa was, yes, I worked with Kalukawa. So you did all of the yes. big studios. Yes. So, uh, yeah, because of the success and of Azumi, they, uh, they wanted me to do the Godzilla movie. And I, I was, first I was, I was surprised, like, wow, you are. That's <laughs> you're pretty cha- bold. <laughs> you're, you're a challenger. <laughs> Get me. <laughs> but uh, this uh, producer, Mr. Tomiyama, he, he's basically in charge of, you know, all those, you know, Godzilla movies. So, uh, and he believed in me and, um. And it just sounded like fun, you know. I mean, 50th anniversary. And, and when I got on board, they already have this concept of, you know, this is the last movie. We want to do something very different. And we want lots of monsters, you know, all in one kind of movie. Ah. The greatest hits of Godzilla monster so movie. So all the Mothras and the... Yes. Uh, all, so yeah. everything, I was like, wow, that's, you know, that was a complicated movie. And that was like, I had like four different units. Wow. Yeah, my unit, second unit, overseas unit, and, you know, that's man in suit. Right, you know, right. The monster unit. So, so like, how uh, was that, doing the man in the suit monster? You know, at this time, we were already doing sophisticated CGI and things at the time, but it was a man in the suit. Yeah, because that, 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 that's, that's the, the fir- tradition? That's the first thing, because I knew that, you know, because they were at Toho was going to shut down this one legendary like you know this tokusatsu stage you know where right. they've been making all those monster movies so i knew that you know this is going to be the last time you know from now on yes i knew that they're gonna they're gonna do the godzilla again you know in japan in in hollywood but it's going to be cgi anyway right. right so this is the last time and you know i have to do you know old-fashioned you know old school man in suit godzilla way yeah, yeah, the miniature city and everything yes. stomping. And so I, I, that was that was pure fun, and uh, yeah, I, I had a blast making that movie. What did you want to bring to it that was yours? What was the Kitamura element that you you really wanted to make yours? Was I mean a lot of things, and I was surprised, and I'm I'm, I'm very happy that you know they still um, they let me do it. But uh, first thing I told them was like you know I, I want to go Zeta, you know much more wild. Aggressive, mm-hmm. ferocious. Yes. So uh, we spoke with this, you know, the person who creates the suits. You know, you know, we have to change the mindset. You know, because my Godzilla are not going to just walk and they crash down the building. It's not going to be that slow. It's going to be like a UFC fight uh, among the monsters. So you so, weren't shooting yeah. it. It's, it's so sixty how, frames. Or so how do we do that? Is you know because that suits is heavy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, so we discussed a lot with this, you know, monster unit team, and you know, the, that that legendary stunt actor who's actually inside the Godzilla. So what do we need if I need to do this movement? <laughs> <laughs> Mount position and the punching, punching, punching. So how, <laughs> how do we do that? So yeah, so that 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 movement, and you know, I also I also um wanted to change change the look, you know. Because all the classic Godzilla movie, I, I like it, but yeah, uh, it was yeah. way too, you know, bright. Mm-hmm. You know, too much, too too much lighting. You, know? you wanted to make something more cinematic. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I changed everything, and I even wanted the great Keith Emerson from Emerson Lake and oh, Palmer God. to do the music. Yeah. And everybody was like, "Are you out of your mind?" But no, 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 no. It's I, th- the I perfect think, choice. Yes. And he did it for me, and so, uh, yeah, I, I did it my way. Yeah, so I'm very proud of that movie. Yeah. Well, we met uh, over 
the Midnight Meat Train, but it was years later. I've been trying to get, as I said in our introduction, the the concept of nightmare cinema going for a long time. Yes. And uh, I wrote a script from your story uh, to do a feature film that we hopefully will do one day soon. Mm-hmm. But um, you were the first one to shoot their segment in the movie that we're now almost finished with in post-production. Yes. So, Mashit. Basically, I came to you asking if you had ideas, and then I had talked to writer friends as well and brought ideas to the table. So what we got is the first English-language screenplay from a wonderful writer, screenwriter, novelist, and director in Mexico, Sandra Becerril. And it's an exorcism story. So tell me what, uh, what made you decide this was the one you wanted to do. I mean, yeah, we we trade some ideas and we yeah, we trade like lots of ideas, a lot right? of ideas, yes, yeah, but, including uh, the feature film that yes. we we're going to do and squeezing it down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but uh, when when Mixon you you sent me that Sandra's, yeah, like she had like you, six stories that yes. we sent over. Yeah, but that that this one Mashid was my favorite and immediately responded to that one because uh, it starts like you know kind of like Suspiria, you know, ish. But uh, it gets crazier and crazier, and it's the total chaos in the end. And Which is why I thought you would be perfect for this. <laughs> That's why you were a great producer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I immediately fell in love with it, and uh, yes, worked with you and you know Sandra, and you know, and even even with that that idea, you know, we we did a lot. Of, it's you know, amazing. We, yeah. I mean, we can't give away a whole lot, uh-huh. but there is so much bloodshed that is. Of characters you would never expect to see shedding blood in a feature <laughs> film in Hollywood. Uh, I mean, it's it's nuts. The whole thing is nuts in the most wonderful way. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, th- there's a lot of swordplay in this, which mm-hmm. I'm sure was something that appealed to your sensibility and why I thought of you for that story in the first place. Um, how do you plan that? Uh, you had to do it very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, y- Yes. I had to do that. What that was like a day and a half. A day the, and a half. The whole to, film. To, to your that, film was five days, yeah. and the day you wanted three days <laughs> yes, for, for action for this uh, action scene. You got a day and a half, but but how do you go about planning something that's choreographed so specifically and so wildly and so full of shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all all about that. You know, uh, picking the right stunt coordinator and um, you know discuss. You know, because I, I've worked with you know great stunt coordinators all over the world, Japan, you know, Korea, America. You know, so um, I'm not that easy on my stunt, stunt team. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> no, I no, know I've that. seen that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to repeat myself. And you know, show me, show me, give me something we haven't seen before. But it's all about you know, I mean, what kind of crew you have. And I, I was, I was super happy with the crew I had on Machid. You know, we which is which group. is rare. <laughs> is that right? Which is rare. Yeah, right? <laughs> you're hard to please. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, I was very happy with the crew, and you know we knew that the, the challenge. But uh, you know it's all about you know what uh, share my vision with my crew, and you know I I'm the kind of the director not interested in you know just asking my crew and cast to do my vision. I always prefer to pull out something they have, you know. The different yeah, point of view. Yes, you know, that, that's the beauty of the collaboration. So uh, you know, and you want somebody who's better than you at all of these different jobs. Yes, right? yeah. yes. 
But you know, I'm pretty good in all, all <laughs> kinds of things, so yeah. it's not. That's why it's, it makes it not that easy, right? Yeah. But uh, no, uh, so uh, yeah. I mean, basically, we went to the location scout. We we all went to location scout, and we 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 had honor to shoot at the same you know church where they shot John Carpenter's The Fog. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> exactly. Pretty amazing. That was that was that was like yes, amazing. So uh, basically, me and my stunt coordinator, you know, I don't just, think it's giving away too much that there was blood spilled in that church. Yes. <laughs> A lot of it. Yes, I don't. I don't think <laughs> ever spilled that much, and I don't think ever will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Father, unless we go back <laughs> yeah, for Mishit too. Yeah. Yes. Father Michael may have regretted agreeing to letting this happen there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we were there, you know, and all, all my crew and my stunt coordinator, and we were just, you know, <laughs> playing basically uh. with the stick, and you know, what what what's going to happen here, there, you know, jump there, wire action there, what? <laughs> yeah, and, so, and, and yeah. we had we had a great 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 team, K and B. K and B did the makeup effects, and they're phenomenal. Yeah, so I, I asked the guys, let's just bring in a bunch of the the blood pump you guys used on Kill Bill. <laughs> that's what I need, yeah. and that's what they did. <laughs> Lots of it. Yeah, that was that was fun shooting that movie. Well, uh, you brought in the director of photography, Matthias, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody was so excited about him. Alejandro Brugues used him for his segment as mm-hmm. well. So you and Matthias have worked together, and you you've got a new movie that's about to come out called Downrange that Matthias showed uh, yes. shot as well. Yes, tell me a little about Downrange. It's kind of a Ryuhei. Japanese movie in certain sense in that it's very indie and mm-hmm. very, you know, it reminds me a lot of Versus in the way, the approach to how it was made. Yes, so uh, Downrange, uh, this idea came up with me and my writing partner, Joey O'Brien, who's one of the most talented writers I met in this town. And we, we were having coffee and, you know, I just felt like, you know, I, want, I need to do something like back to Versus style which is, you know, limited budget, but I just do whatever I want to do. Because, you know, I've done Godzilla, I've done Azumi, I've done Midnight Meat Train. Yes, I'm proud of everything, you know, but, you know, still after almost 20 years, everywhere I go, people ask me about Versus 2. Mm. <laughs> so, like, somehow they're, they're all over the world. There's a fan who loves the craziest Ryuhei Kitamura. Right, <laughs> right. So I'm not... St- I don't want to stay in that, that world, but, right. uh, you know. <laughs> You'll make your breaking away soon. Right? Yes, but <laughs> here and there, I feel like I want to do. So we came up with this, you know, concept. You know, this is a movie about, you know, a group of kids, you know, carpooling, and they're driving inside the mountain, and they get a flat tire. So they get off and, you know, start to change in the tire. That's when they realize tire is not the flat tire. Tire has been shot out. Mm-hmm. There's a sniper in the woods. And only place you can hide is behind a car, and you don't you don't first like you don't hear, and you don't see, and because sniper they can they they can get you from like a mile away, right? So uh, there's no cell phone reception, but you know, but this you know, crazy thing is if you step out like three feet from the car, you can get the cell signal, but this three feet <laughs> you cannot. Because so it's a suspense thriller. Yes. With, of With course, 100%, 100% my style. So it's yeah. like extreme violent yeah. movie. So uh, I, me and my Joey came up with that idea. But then I, I got this movie called Lupin the Third, which was the 
like big, even bigger than Godzilla franchise in Japan. It's right. about it's kind of like Ocean's Eleven ish, <laughs> you know, based on the manga and animation, Miyazaki's animation. Right. You know? So uh, that movie, Loop on the Third, I, I shot in you know Asia for. Uh, you know, that movie took me like basically like two years. Wow. Yeah, two years, and I came back and I felt like. Yeah, I did this, you know, PG, family friendly, you know, <laughs> based on manga, happy movie. Time to go back. Yeah, no, 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 no blood, nothing. <laughs> oh no, God, no how, headshot. How did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you know, okay, now I'm gonna do this. So uh, me and my uh, my partners, you know, uh, and my friends, basically, you know, and we we shot in LA, you know, in the mountain, in in like uh, 20 days. Wow. It was intense, but uh, and I found this, you know. My very strong weapon, Matthias, you know, yeah. because I'm very picky about you know, my stunt coordinator. I'm picky about everything, but uh, I'm very picky about DP. And yeah. when I met him, I, I knew that Matthias is the guy. And, you know, movie making process is very good testing machine mm-hmm. <laughs> to find out what kind of people you're dealing with, right? That's right. Everybody's nice, but when you're in this, you know, nightmare of making movie, you realize this guy is not not what he says he is. Yeah, right? under the pressure cooker. Under the pressure, <laughs> yeah. right? People start to, you know, <laughs> doing the crazy thing. And uh, Matthias is the one who survived making this downrange. And that's why, you know, <laughs> I brought him on board on the Nightmare Cinema. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think uh, he will be the one shooting my next movie too. Excellent. So. Well, downrange is uh, premiering on Shudder. Yes. And when this starts to air, it should be premiering right about that time. So yes. thanks for, first of all, thanks for doing Nightmare Cinema with me. And thank you. Thank you for being with us on Postmortem. And we're going to do it again with all of the directors when Great. it gets closer to yeah. the release time. Can't wait. But Ryuhei Kitamura, Maestro, Kitamura-san, thank you again. Thank you. And please uh, contact us uh, via Twitter at PostmortemMG. Uh, the Instagram address is uh, postmortemgram, and you can access my video interviews and making of documentaries and the like at mickgarrisinterviews.com. Send us your reactions, your questions, your responses, and rate and review us at iTunes and your favorite podcast app. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.